Hello there, I'm Susan Bradley and welcome to the Four Modern Mothers podcast, a podcast dedicated to mothers and mothers-to-be, here to help you navigate your own unique journey through modern motherhood. In each episode, there'll be insights and wisdom. We'll be covering everything from fertility and trying to conceive to pregnancy and birth and onwards through your life as a mother. Expect conversations around subjects and issues that will support, inspire, inform, and empower you. From health and well-being, to body image, self-care, mental health, birth, pregnancy, work-life balance, relationships, the whole lot. With my specially invited guests and experts, as well as sharing my own knowledge with you. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe too. Okay, so welcome everybody. Um, it's good to um, have everyone here listening to the Four Mothers and Mothers podcast. Um, so this episode, I'm really excited. I've got another um, brilliant guest, a really, really interesting um, woman and mother. And my guest today is um, Flora Croft, who is um, a poet. And that's one of the big things we're gonna talk about. Um, and she is a twin mother. Um, so you can see perhaps why I'm drawn to her already. Um, and she is also a psychotherapist and works with creativity um, and psychotherapy and coaching as well. And she has got an upcoming book coming out in early March, um, published by the Mum Poet Press, um, and it's called I'm a Spider Mother. So um, I'll put links to all of that at the end. So. Um, these are, I'm going to read a little bio that I've got from Flora and then I'm going to um, hand you over to her and she can explain herself a little bit more. So um, I'm a Spider Mother, which is her upcoming poetry book, is a meditation on mothering and being mothered. These intimate poems explore female identity and individuation, family, love, loss and transformation. And the reader accompanies the poet on a journey from girlhood to womanhood through twin maternity into an exploration of the relationship between grandmother, mother and children. And this is really fascinating. So spiders are referred to literally and metaphorically as symbols of maternal patience and strength. I love that. The spider mother is protective, fearsome and fearful all at the same time. She is a new person, changed beyond her own recognition, stretched so far she discovers within herself new capabilities new vulnerabilities, and a fresh sense of purpose. How great does this sound? Um, so that sounds, can't wait for it to be published. I have um, seen a few of the poems, and Flora is also going to read us a couple of the poems as well during um, the podcast today. But welcome to Flora. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. It's really lovely to be talking to you. Oh, great. Thank you. So, um, yeah, how was my introduction? What, what else I thought would you it was like brilliant. to add about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Don't really need to add anything else at all. No, it was great. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a poet. I'm a psychotherapist and a creativity coach. Um, and my book, I'm a Spider Mother, which is my first poetry book, is actually out on pre-order now. It's available on pre-order now. It um, came out the other day after a wonderful um, recommendation by Clover Stroud on oh, Instagram, who, who gave it a great review. And so we brought it out on pre-order and it's available from the Mum Poem Press. Um, so 
we'll give you all the details of where to find it later but the Mumpone Press is a wonderful um, publishing company which started up during lockdown so it's a group of mothers and they've got a website where you can buy the book um, it's a book that's really close to my heart because it's like a kind of love letter to my twin daughters and to my mother um, but I'm hoping that it's also quite universal in a way because it's it's really trying to explore the experience of what it is to be a daughter first of all um, you know to be mothered and then to to experience mothering oneself and it's quite rare in fact it seems to be groundbreaking because we can't find any other book of contemporary poetry that really explores the twin mothering yeah. experience so it was really important to me as a twin mum myself to to describe and, and help other twin mothers to really kind of understand that experience of such an intense experience yes. of what it is to be a twin mother or mother of any multiples yeah absolutely yeah I mean yeah it's 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 as a twin mother myself mm. um and, and that I don't have any other children so um I don't have an experience of just having you know one child and then having twins yeah. after that which maybe some people do and hats off to them but mm, suddenly yeah. you've gone from you know zero to two and um you don't know any difference um and you just have to get mm. on with it but it's 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 quite an extraordinary thing and I always think wow I know some people who have triplets and then I go I really really don't don't you know don't don't know how you would do that because because two is yes. tough I mean yeah. three or more even you think wow <laughs> it's extraordinary isn't it it's I mean it's amazing to even think that our bodies can do that and then yes. when we give birth that we can actually manage this experience whether it's giving birth to one baby which can be incredibly challenging yeah. to giving birth as you say to multiples or, or three or four um, I think and again part of my sort of interest in writing the book was about really wanting to pay tribute to mothers and to this um, you know to the extraordinary strength and resilience that we have and that's why I used the spider mother yeah. um, idea partly inspired by the wonderful artist and sculptor Louise Bourgeois of course Cause she, yes. yeah because she did yes. these wonderful um, enormous sculptures of um, spiders that she called things like maman which means mummy in French and they were inspired by her own mother so I really wanted to kind of play with that and and explore the way in which mothering is is both extremely um transformative and grueling but also really uh, something that that doesn't need to be scared of in a way you know that that it's something that we can enjoy, that we can find both scary and both liberating at the same time. And, and it helps us grow, I think, as people too, ultimately, and change yeah. people. It does. Yeah, that's it. I mean, this whole um, concept of matrescence of, of mm. this, as you, you know, as you become, that is starting to be acknowledged more of, you know, the transformation that, yeah. that does happen maiden to mother and then to crone and this that you that you do change through your life and that's mm. a good thing but people are very oh, scared yeah. of, of change and, and worrying about identity and loss of identity rather than seeing it as a 
a positive growth thing that things will change it's inevitable sure. when you have one child two child however however many mm. but, but that change might be difficult and probably undoubtedly is difficult I don't yes. know if I know any mothers you know and I see a lot of mothers through you know through teaching um mom and baby yoga and baby massage and you, you know yeah. so many people and I don't think there's ever anyone who doesn't struggle and find challenges in so many different ways at, at some point how That's, could it not yeah. be hard yeah yeah I mean I remember um when I had my twin babies a um health visitor said to me and it's always stayed with me she said to me that it's the mothers who she comes to visit who are doing everything perfectly who are very tidy who seem to be really perky and on top of things that she's actually most worried about <laughs> because clearly it's not true you know we were all struggling yeah. with it that's yeah. exactly what my health visitor said to me. Oh, really? Well, maybe and they're I, all taught to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to pass that on and I say that to people yeah. because they worry about their, I've got to tidy up because the health visitor's coming mm. around. And I'm like, no, mm. don't, because they really don't expect that. They really expect you to be in a malaise of washing up and dirty this and everything everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the expectation. But our, expect, our expectations are that we want everything to be, if we're very, you know, tidy and clean and neat that that's how we must mm. have it you know within early motherhood it's virtually impossible it is and and in a way it's a sign perhaps I mean everybody's different for, for some people it's really important to be neat and it helps yes. their mental health so yes. I mean I know my partner used to really he loves things to be clean and tidy he used to find it very difficult in the early days of twin parenting still does that it was so messy but I think in a way, it's something about, you know, if the focus, if we can keep our focus on caring for our babies and for ourselves, yeah. then inevitably, perhaps we'll have a bit less time to focus on the house, on, um, you know, the general cleanliness of our place. And, and for me, again, part of, you know, my desire to write this book was, again, to think about how society views motherhood and how I think they've got it's all wrong and so unhelpful to us because as you say we're not prepared for the thought that actually we won't necessarily be able to keep a house clean and tidy we, we seem to be we have this idea many of us anyway not all but I did too that motherhood looks like there's there's this woman totally in control of what she's doing and and she's still managing to look really kind of glamorous and she's still managing to tidy up after herself and her babies and this idealized version that we have nowadays which my mum doesn't recognize which is interesting you know in her day she doesn't think that there was this same ideal but nowadays maybe with Instagram with social media as well as um, general media there's this view that you're either this kind of great perfect mum who's doing it all or you're a kind of slummy mummy who um therefore is depressed and doesn't enjoy it and and neither is real <laughs> no and, yeah. and this idea of forcing people well almost like it force it's putting women in boxes mothers mm, in these boxes exactly. almost putting them against each other setting yes. them up to fail so yeah. oh well if you, yeah. you know the type of birth you had or how you feed your baby or how you carry That's your it. baby or transport your baby or Absolutely. whether you go back to work or not and all of the things mm. um categorize you as a type of mother and then that's yeah. better or not as good as that type of mother that type of woman that type yeah. of human being and of course it's a 
it's a construct that that isn't helpful in any way and it's and it's not real you know it doesn't take the complexities of the human experience into account I mean and as a therapist I think it was really lucky for me that as a therapist coming into motherhood as a therapist I know about a lot of you know child development theories and Mm. somebody like um, Donald Winnicott who's very famous for developing the attachment theory, the mother and child attachment. He talks a lot about how um, there is no ideal mother. And in fact, we need to be uh, um, a good enough mother. In other words, we need to make some mistakes. We need to show our frailties and to allow our children to learn from that about how to cope with their own frailties, how to cope with their own mistakes. So as a therapist, I find a lot of the time, you know, with, I'm, I'm encouraging my clients to recognize that actually it's okay to sometimes shout or to be messy or to make mistakes with your children. It's about recognizing it and maybe finding ways to repair if you need to between the two of you. And um, that that sense of actually recognizing our strength and resi- resilience is, is why I love this spider yes image um because that's a a creature that is incredibly resilient and strong constantly being pushed out the way you know and swept up and and continually trying to build its web wherever it can (laughs) and quite frightened frankly by a lot of society i'm sorry not frightened well yeah frightened but actually frightening to society yeah um in a way that I feel like mothers in some ways are quite frightening to um, the patriarchy. Yeah, they are. Oh, yes. Men in society. So again, we're yeah. put in these little boxes of, oh, she's a little domestic, idealized, you know, harmless um, carer, mother, yeah. um, which, yeah. which I wanted to break through. Yeah. Definitely. And, and that whole idea of values and productivity and all of these mm. cultural constructs that are, you know, capitalist and patriarchal structures yes. that, that that you that you really come to witness I think when you become a mother it, it, yeah, it suddenly really the light bulb goes on and and mm. yeah all of that feeling you're not doing enough going back to work and not going back to work the guilt yeah. of, of both sides of it and then you really unpick that and, and it's what it all comes down to but mm. it's an it's an awful lot to deal with it in that with that responsibility you know, of, of looking after babies and yes. sleep deprivation and you add all these layers, the hormone response, all mm-hmm. of this stuff and the expectation that we, you know, the, we talk to social media, the bouncing back, the yeah. six-week check and then suddenly you're, you, you think you're supposed to be back to normal. This is it, because if you can return to who you were yeah. or your body can return to yeah. how it was, yeah this unrealistic expectation that mm. where has that even come from and, and why are you return what are you returning back to and it's hard mm. there can be a I really felt a, a grief for, for who I was yeah, yeah. And, it, and and it was like I loved my life before I had my children and there was mm. lots of things therefore that I couldn't do and I changed career oh, yes. um and so that kind of that struggle to go I am that person but also I'm, I'm different and I've yeah. changed and there are some things now that I don't do that I don't want to do there are some things that I wish I could do I sure. struggle a lot with my job and that just didn't um kind of work anymore and all sorts of things but and it yeah. is a big getting over it just takes time doesn't it and 
self-compassion oh, really yeah. yeah working working it all out the individual pathway as well that we're all different some people just mm -hmm. need to click into it and it makes sense immediately and some people it just takes time yeah and there has to be as you say a bit of a kind of mourning for what we've lost um for the person that we were maybe in a sense that actually of holding on to the hope that we can be that person again but a person who's strengthened and yeah. transformed and matured through this experience which is an extraordinary experience of not just giving birth whether it's to one baby or two babies but then actually to to care to provide all the care or certainly most of the care for a little um baby or two is suddenly you're in I remember it was like boot camp for us you know <laughs> and my partner worked away some of the time oh gosh um you know my beloved um mum the grandmother in my poetry book she was there quite often to help me but a lot of the time it was just me and and this sense of what is this life now you know what is my purpose how can I get through it and make meaning of it while feeling so very exhausted and downtrodden but also so delighted in moments yes. too you know and so bonded with my babies who one minute I want to cuddle and the next minute I want to um you know shout at them to go to sleep yes <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I think Absolutely. that's a lot to handle it's a really intense emotional state to be in for you know almost a year I would say looking back that first year particularly yeah. and and there are still slight um you know slight echoes of it now raising my twin daughters who are seven and a half so yeah yeah it, it, it is isn't it it's it I completely yeah you're just one minute you are in the deepest strongest love you've ever experienced mm -hmm. and then and the next minute you're just like I, I I just need to step away I just yeah you know, physically there's that that over touched out feeling just overwhelmed yeah. Yeah. emotionally mentally just needing to you know go I, I, I you know almost I can't I can't do this I, mm. I, you know, it's, it's overwhelmingly difficult yeah that lack of to sleep give and, so much of oneself yeah absolutely yeah. and it's really interesting about then the idea obviously of their grandmother your mother yeah and, and that help and, and and support and that can really that can be amazing and for some people that can be extraordinarily challenging too that yeah mother-daughter sure. relationship that mm. all of that how you know comes to the fore again how you were parented what you remember so that, very true yeah and at different stages of your baby's lives can bring up old feelings about what you experienced at that point in your yeah. life yeah yeah and that can be a, a, a whole reckoning in, in mm. itself and really challenging absolutely for people yeah. as well as mother-in-laws as well so another aspect of sure. a dynamic going on <laughs> so there's so much going on so much mm. going on that mm. you can't really you don't know how it will be until you're in it that's the thing as well yeah so how did the poetry come a, come about for you have you always written poetry well I've always loved poetry I remember yeah. as a little girl loving reading it and we had a, a family friend who's a poet so I remember kind of enjoying playing with words writing with him that kind of thing but it wasn't really until I was in my early 20s and I'd left university I'd studied um, drama actually and um, decided to go to spent a gap year in Paris um, 
Working and Living by Shakespeare and Company, which is a wonderful bookstore in Paris. And I used to hang out a lot at Shakespeare and Company, uh, made lots of friends there, got to know the owner who was this wonderful character, George Whitman. And he did a lot of kind of um, salons, he used to call them on Sundays, where he'd encourage us all to to gather and write. And it was like a kind of impromptu um, free poetry or writing workshop. And Amazing. so I started to really enjoy that. And then I came back to the UK um, and started writing just now and then on my own and then sent a poem, one of my first poems off to a competition and was amazed to find that I came um, runner up in this competition, this kind of national poetry competition. Mm. And my poem was published alongside all sorts of other amazing much more seasoned poets so that gave me a sense of oh maybe I've got something here but then I became very interested in therapy and um, I had my own experiences in my 20s that were quite traumatic that led to me having my own therapy and then after that I trained as a therapist over a long period of time as an existential therapist um, so particularly interested in matters of life and death and meaning and it's really only in the last few years, now I'm in my 40s, that I have started to take my poetry seriously and written a lot. And I think lockdown helped enormously, actually, because although it was very stressful trying to work as a therapist and also, you know, you know what it's like juggling the whole homeschooling. Homeschooling. Delights, don't, don't say that word. <laughs> which were not good. <laughs> although, I mean, I've had their lovely moments, but mostly really quite challenging. Yeah. Um, it, there was something about not, not being able to go out and socialise um, that meant that I had a, a lot more time actually in the evenings and a real desire suddenly. It's as if I'd been the experience of, of motherhood I'd been kind of mentally taking notes on it and writing little bits and bobs over the years since becoming a twin parent. And it's as if it was suddenly ready to come out in a more fully formed way. And I think that's because my kids were older. I mean, there's no way I could have written this book when they were one or two, say, because I was just too strung out yeah. with exhaustion. And I think that may be partly why there is no poetry or not much about twin motherhood, because it's so so blooming knackering yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to then actually sit down and write something coherent about it but over the years I really enjoyed that process and the creativity of mm. of just making notes of writing little bits and bobs of having an image in my head maybe of a beautiful moment I just had with my daughters and really wanting to kind of keep it as a memento so noting it down um, until I was ready last year to actually write it all. So it's been a really long gestation. Mm, it has. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> <laughs> and do you write, did you write it um, like on your phone, on an app? Did you physically write it? What is your kind of creative process? What works for you in that way? I think everybody's different. But yeah. for me, I get really intimidated by writing by hand. Okay. It doesn't work for me for some reason. Um, and I bought so many lovely books over the years. Mm. I thought, oh, I'm going to fill with, you know, all my writing. Never do because there's the inner critic comes in and says, oh, mm. well, it's not good enough to go in there. So yes. don't. whereas I find writing on the notes app on my phone or writing on the computer on a Word document um, really easy. So that's yeah. what I do. And the great thing about having... Um, you know our phones as annoying as they can be and as addicted we are to them is that they are quite available 
to us yeah. that we can just take, put a little note on it, you know, while potentially with the children for a moment, then come back to it later when they're in bed. Yeah. So make that's a voice note or anything. Can't yeah, you? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the other thing I would say is, and that a lot of writers I know say, is it really helps to read first. So unless you've got some moment of inspiration and you know exactly there's like a phrase that keeps coming around in your head that you mm. need to write down, if you're wanting to write, it really helps to do to read a poem or two before you start. Okay. Um, yeah. And where do you go for inspiration? What what kind of poetry do you read oh, before you start? There's so many great um, <laughs> contemporary poets, actually. And and some really wonderful, more kind of old school ones too. But somebody like Mary Oliver, I know, mm. speaks to so many of us. Yeah. And that she's got that kind of simplicity. And yet there's so much depth and beauty to her work. Um, and more modern poets like um, somebody like Maggie Smith. The American poet Maggie Smith is, is a brilliant writer and there's a poet called Rebecca Chantony in this country and Liz Berry is a wonderful yeah. poet. Um, she's written about motherhood. In fact, she helped me um, with the last draft of my book and we've got a quote from her on my book. She calls it beautiful and tender. So I was thrilled with that. Um, and then there's Rachel Long as well. She's a brilliant poet who um, has had her first collection come out quite recently but yeah there are so many great places to look for poetry and then there's you know the wonderful older style people like Emily Dickinson and, and some of the classics yeah that one can dip in and out of and I think part of the reason why poetry rather than novels really appealed to me as a reader as well as a writer since having the children is that it's so much easier to dip in and out of a poetry book, isn't it? You can read yes. one poem or you can take one image from it or one feeling that really resonates and helps without having to commit to a novel that's got this kind of yeah. plot structure and character arcs and stuff. And I tried reading novels and I'd read about, you know, four pages once every five months and I couldn't remember what on earth was going on. I think that's really common. So yeah. many people, I don't know, the first at least five years of having mm. children, like, I mm. can't read books. I have a load, you know, stacked up by my bed and people yeah. say, but I can't get through them because it's my mind can't, you know, there's too many other things and you're going to get mum, mum. Yes, you know, this any is moment. constant interruption. So yeah. you can whereas, to just have a moment with a book. Yeah, but whereas a poem mm. is probably achievable um, yes. to, to read that or yeah. you know and and so it's it is that small wins as well and you've read something in that small amount of words that can be so poignant you know just oh, so yeah. without having to invest the time that you just don't have mm, that's it isn't it it's about trying to kind of nourish ourselves creatively and, yeah. and psychologically while having only very small amount of time in which to do so so finding ways to, to really help ourselves tune into our feelings or to help us feel uplifted or yeah. reassured within a few moments rather than spending a whole evening being able to do something. Yeah, yeah. that makes. Yeah, I think that makes a, a lot of sense. And when I spoke to um, Catherine from the Mum Poem Press, she was mm. sort of similar and saying that's why 
writing poems, even if you don't feel that, you know, just anybody that, that I'm not a poet, I can't write. Well, actually, poetry is a really good place to start because oh yes, it's it you, you just write, you know, what you feel. It's a small amount of words. You can jot it yeah. just down on your phone or you can have a lovely notebook or whatever works. And it doesn't really matter. But it's mm. a way of getting your feelings out and just, you know, releasing them. It can be very cathartic. You know, Absolutely. it doesn't mean that you want to have it published necessarily but it can be a really um powerful way of, of of just exploring the ideas of identity or who you are or what you're feeling or what's going That's on or it. how difficult yeah. it is or, or how joyful it is or, or all of the stuff mm. all of the experiences so yeah mm. it, it can be a an amazing um an amazing tool but that might feel quite scary or poetry sounds a bit maybe yes. grandiose to some people but but really there's a lot of modern poetry that really isn't that at all. That's it. And it really, most of it aims not to be nowadays. I mean, I know yeah. someone like Holly McNish is very yes. popular for that reason, because she has a really um, kind of open, inviting writing style that yeah. allows us to, to just get straight into the meaning of it. Um, and I'm thinking of what Clover Stroud put in her Instagram post the other day, which is that you don't have to understand a poem you know you don't have to beat yourself up about not understanding a poem either because it's more about taking taking an image that maybe strikes to you or resonating with a feeling and letting that sit with you that's what it is and similarly with writing as yeah. you say you know you don't have to be thinking I'm going to write this for publication in fact I very rarely do do that even when I thought I was writing the book I tried not to I tried to kind of bracket that thought it's more about just what's coming out of me now you know what what am I feeling what feels like it needs to be expressed and as you say to have that catharsis of, of being able to express it and then to acknowledge the feeling to yourself to to make sense of it to move on from it potentially yeah it's really therapeutic yes. uh, as is so much of, of writing or um you know art or anything like that because you can do just the same with a drawing if you yeah. want to, to to just try and make sense of what you're feeling right now for yourself it doesn't need to be for anyone else it doesn't need to have any kind of judgment put upon it it's just a means of self-expression mm. but if you find you really enjoy it yes. and you want to kind of do more of it then you might find that you quite naturally practice it and get better at it and get to a point where you might want to show it to others but that yeah. doesn't have to be the the feeling when no, yeah stuff. that's mm -hmm. really that makes a yeah that's a really good point that what whatever it is whether you're trying a bit of poetry just doing some journaling just writing yeah. down you know whatever it is if it's helpful to you that's all it has to be you don't have that's to even it. keep it you can just that's the gift throw it away if you want nobody ever has to know you've done it if that's yeah you know, yeah that's or you it. can keep it and look back on it as a, a record, as a memento of, mm. of you know, who, who knows in how many years of, of what you felt then. It's, it's up so to you, true. isn't it? Mm. It's a unique thing. And just like, you know, reading poetry, people might go, oh, I don't think poetry is me. Like, yeah, you say, I don't understand it or whatever. But it's like going to, people sometimes think that about art, about visual arts. Oh, sure. I, I might not understand it. It's like, but do you like it? What does it say to you? It doesn't matter yeah. if you don't get from it what the artist intended if you still find it an interesting joyful helpful thing then that's that's what it is to you yeah and that's the interesting yeah. thing that it means different things to different people so mm. I think it's quite I find it quite addictive I I, I yeah I don't, not since being a mother actually um 
had just had seen I don't know poems on Instagram and then bought books so things like um, ah. Tanya Markle, Rupi Carr, like those oh, yes, kind of books right. um, and then you suddenly get just quite obsessed by it almost mm. and, and just you know and obviously I've got the mum poem press book and it's just oh, a fascinating right. um someone who comes much more from a visual background yeah. and visual art and creativity and and but but just reading the words are so so powerful so I would really encourage anybody to either or, or both mm. do it and also just to read it and just be inspired and and by other people's work too because I think yeah. it's beautiful just so beautiful I think maybe this is something you know for me about the the addictive quality of it could be that it's it's just so powerful to read another woman's words yeah. about an experience that we can relate to that isn't often honestly explored um in books or in the media yeah and so you know that's what I love about the mum poem press and the poet club that they run which is open to everyone and they don't have to be a mother or not the fact that actually these voices are being heard and expressed when traditionally they tend to be silenced and when we're when we're mothers we don't tend to get much of a chance to really have our experiences valued beyond maybe our immediate family um I mean I suppose it's different I don't know about for you but for me I think being a twin mum there was an element of that in that I would go out with my babies in the buggy and certainly in the first few months I would get a kind of oh well done you know you're you're out <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you done it <laughs> which I loved actually to be honest and I think helped me a lot and I know from speaking to mums of singletons that it can be really hard for them that they don't get that, that that that's just regarded as the norm and therefore they must know what they're doing and it all must be fine with them and if anything there's more of a kind of cooing over the daddy who picks the baby up yes what yes. an amazing father he's doing the baby um, babysitting apparently <laughs> yeah, exactly babysitting your own child yeah yes. um you know whereas the twin mum it is so unusual to mother multiples that there, there's some status given to it for a while maybe yeah. and I and also my partner had to get quite involved when he was at home because there was no choice really in the matter he wanted to anyway but it kind of inevitably means that um the father you're more of a team maybe potentially if you want to try yeah. and get through the twin parenting experience yeah yeah it is it is that thing and it can really opens you up to that idea of 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 you know if you've been someone who spent their life being quite independent and in control mm. of everything and and you know doing it all yourself and, and then yeah. suddenly as any mother not just a twin mother but sure. then going actually I can I can uh, this is hard and it's harder than I thought and yeah. how the heck do people do this and you know asking for help and that's saying, so key isn't it you know and it's mm. is so important just to it's not a that vulnerability is not in any way a failure we, we're not no. designed to bring them up we're not human beings are not solitary creatures we we are yeah, tribal yeah. And, and we all pull together and knowing that asking for support and help is normal and you know whether that's you know your partner or if you've not got a partner another family sure. member or friends or yeah. support groups or whatever yeah. it is that community and that connection and that support that you just need is so invaluable Mm, that's it isn't it and that that is something to come to terms with if you've prided yourself yeah on maybe or your strength on being independent 
Yeah, absolutely. So creativity. So you also um, creativity, kind of coaching and creativity and motherhood. Mm. I find that fascinating. And also that I, you know, creativity, that motherhood, mothering is the ultimate creative act. Yeah. I just think it, it, even though it it doesn't have to have a a classically created output, just in itself requires creativity Mm -hmm. on lots of levels. Would you agree? That really resonates. Absolutely, doesn't it? Because we, you know, we create our babies, then we birth them, then we are so integral to to creating who they are, you know, how they how they grow. Everything about them is down to us, like, you know, their little plants and we're having to water them daily. (laughs) And it's our care and it's our um, love and attention that that really allows them to become who they are. So yeah, there is so much creativity in motherhood, in mothering. I think it can be, again, talking from my experience, I think it can be quite hard to see the creativity in it when you're in the thick of it in the early years, because so much of it is domestic chores Mm. and drudgery, Mm. which again, society doesn't value in the slightest and we've been taught not to. Um, And I really didn't enjoy the domestic chores and the drudgery very much, Um, that it's hard to recognize. And I, it's worth trying to remind yourself that actually through these chores, you are managing to sustain a, a little human being or two human beings who really need you. But I think there can, other, there can be more, maybe more obviously enjoyable ways to be creative when you're a mum. Yeah. Even in the very early days, just in terms of finding things that you enjoy doing either with your babies or perhaps when they've gone to bed um, so that you can still sustain your your kind of playfulness for yourself and that's one of the great things about having babies and children is that if, if you can tune into your own playfulness then the playing that you do with your babies and children is allowing you to play again too you know yeah. that there is that sense of it and if you can whatever if for me it was about thinking about well what do I do what did I do before having children that sustained me and helped me one of the things was writing but as I say I was so exhausted in the early years I didn't do that much coherent writing but I enjoyed what I did but also for me it was baking it was there was a lot of dancing around in the kitchen to music while the while the babies were in their little bouncers and they would bounce along (laughs) to the music and I would dance in front of them you know just things like that kind of letting loose being silly yeah that sort of thing um and and, and you still do that because I still we still do that we still have ridiculous stuff and you've got to fling one up in the air and the other one what's it doing and they're eight and a half now (laughs) and they're quite heavy and it's like you're getting too big for this guy no no, we've lost this so much we do we have regular um very loud kitchen discos where we just let our hair down and um and dance and get very silly and sing and it's so lovely I'd much rather be doing that than um tidying the house or you know (laughs) cooking them an elaborate meal or something and I think that it makes memories for them that are going to stay with them in a way in a way that a very elaborate meal is not going to no no I'm getting them involved with that mine are now um one in particular is because mm. they're about probably about a year older than yours. They're about yes, eight, they're eight and a half. sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, and they are, and one in particular, obsessed with with, with 
cooking and now they like one of them can make um she makes scrambled eggs this is the main thing she can make and she has it pretty much (laughs) every day that she's about to and she makes it all herself and she wants to make it herself yeah but so this is this is coming Mm. for you getting scrambled eggs made (laughs) um, but then she's just and then she decides she's going to make this and do this and then she's made a cookbook and she designed her own cookbook and it's just so wonderful to see where this this creativity of children and they want to do this and there's Mm. so many ideas and it's like just letting them just letting them run with it and it kind of inspires you as well it's so true isn't it it's a two-way thing isn't it sort of feed off each other now that my girls are, are bigger probably for the last three or four years I've quite deliberately because they love drawing in particular mm. and I've deliberately sat down with them rather than doing the washing up or anything like that I've sat down with them at the kitchen table while they're drawing and I've done some drawing or some writing with them because it's wonderful to to as you say get that sense of creativity and action from them and I yeah. also want them to see me do it I want them to see that this is a really lovely thing that we can all do together or separately and how enjoyable it is to be to be creating something that's coming from our imagination yeah because that's such an inner resource that the more they practice the the more they're going to be able to have throughout their lives yeah it will bring them so much meaning yeah and and it it always seems it seems so I'm always you know then they go after school and they go oh well we had to oh let's do this and let's do this and let's do this and I get why they have to do it but there's so little time for creativity yeah. at school and yeah. it gets it seems to get less I've seen it already they're in year four now get less and less mm. as they've gone through the system and there's more time needed exactly. on writing and, and and maths and all of that and I know that's important and but there's so little time just for freedom of joyful expression of yeah of, but when they come home it just all comes out and they're creating comic books and they're wanting to cook this and Wonderful. do all this and it's draw pictures of birds out of the garden it's like this mm. is just to me so much more of an education if you like <laughs> this sort of self-directed Mm. and then they see like you say if they see me oh, what are you what are you doing with those paints mummy what what That's are you doing it, there can I can I join in it's like yes, yeah please, please do so yeah. yeah I love that that like you say that two-way creativity when they get that little bit older mm, that's it isn't it it's, I think in some ways it's about surviving the first year yeah. or two yeah definitely. and knowing that that's all it needs to be yeah just surviving yes. Yeah, um, you know, keep trying to maybe have a bit of a bond with your children in that time, but nothing more than that really is needed. No, no, no big achievements are needed on the part of the mother. Just being there for her babies, getting some support when she needs it, or certainly trying to have some time, some little breaks. And um, and then, as you say, as they get older, it becomes much easier for you to also notice that you can grow yeah. and develop, and that alongside the children there's this amazing transformation taking place within you yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely but the, also just getting to the end of the day with all yeah. of you still alive is yeah. a big achievement it's a massive achievement fed, vaguely clean or dressed yeah alive. it doesn't matter if not yeah no. <laughs> but just you're all still alive and hopefully all, all of still you alive the and, and vaguely eaten. you know happy in each other's presence or yeah. perhaps having moments of happiness in the day because I think that's the other thing it really helped being a therapist in the early years also to remind myself that it, I don't need to expect to be happy all the time with my yeah. babies in fact it, it's not true it 
it's not realistic. It's okay to, I spent quite a lot of time finding it really difficult, um, sometimes a bit low, often frustrated, but to have a moment or two in the day where um, we really enjoyed each other's company or smiled and cuddled or that kind of thing yeah. was, was enough to make me think, yeah, this is, this is it. You know, I'm doing this. And to, to notice that relationship gradually developing as it does, yeah. just naturally. And just knowing that's enough. Yeah, that yeah, that's good enough. enough is enough. Yeah. And, and, and all of those problem. things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Would you, Flora, read yes. a couple of your poems? That would be really magical. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I'd be happy to. I'm just thinking, let's see, why don't I read this one first? I'm going to read It's 4 a.m. Okay, lovely. It's 4 a.m. I hold a newly made baby like a grenade in my arms. Another lies in her cot, crying for me. Bubbles of tears coat her face. She is a part of me I crave to reach. Yet I am with her sister now, who feeds in great gasps, accustoms herself sleepily to a milk that is not mine. The baby in her cot is turning pink fluorescent in her loneliness. I send out my voice to hold her. My words are fingers. They trace around her need. Let it exist. I'm here. Her feelings are furballs stuck in her throat. It's okay. Cravings dance in her downy cheeks. Mummy's coming. One big wretch and the suffering is out vomited into the room. I carefully place the fed baby down, scuttle over to attach myself to her twin. My limbs have grown long and strong. I am a spider mother. I love that. I love that. It's beautiful. So powerful. Thank you. Thanks, Flora. Do you, have you got another Shall one? I read one more? Do? Yeah, please. It would be, okay. be really super. Okay. So this one is called The New Twin Mum, an Incomplete Glossary. <laughs> Appetite, endless. Breakfast, little mouths open like beaks for a worm. Colic, the sound of cats mating. Dummies, soothe me. Evening, rockabye. Fury, the constant crying. Gagagugu, dawn chorus. Hatred, a friend's baby sleeps through the night. Incredible that they're still alive. Joy, mother's heroine. Kitchen, a bombsite. Lunch, yesterday's mash and baked beans from the tin. Memory, absent without leave. Nipples, tingle at the sight of downy bodies. Overwhelmed by everything. Premature, hooked up in hospital. Quiet, never. Rest, don't be silly. Skin, velvet upon velvet, upon kiss upon kiss. Teething my nightly wail and grind. Umbilical cords, cut but not forgotten. 
vomit all over the health visitor. Wind, old man farts from miniature bottoms. X-rated language at the Calpol bottle. Yes to all this and much more. Zzz. Sleep, a memory to hold close as I hold my babies closer. It's <laughs> great. Oh, yeah. It really brings back memories. It does it really it. Does. <laughs> yeah. So much, so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's, I think it's just brilliant that you, that the, like you say, that, that there isn't, there hasn't been another book, poetry book written about twin motherhood and mm. that, that you've created that. Um, and I think it, it would still absolutely resonate with someone who has one baby or, or, yeah, or different babies of so you know, children of different ages. I don't think it is at all exclusive, those experiences to twin mm. mothers. But I think having something specifically of, of that, you know, two or, or, or more is, is yeah. something really special and something that should be kind of honoured and celebrated. So it's such a joy that you've created it, Flora. It really is. Thank you very much. Yeah, that means a lot. I'm glad. I think, as you say, it can resonate with um, mothers of singletons, absolutely. And there's something really special about, finally, there being a book about twin motherhood. Because yeah. there are quite a few books about mothering one baby. Yes. Um, so it's really nice to celebrate the twin mother experience. And I think another reason that I felt like spider mother was the right image for me is that sense with mothering twins which might be quite similar when you've got children of different ages mm. you know that that sense of having to stretch myself yeah of, of there not being quite enough of me to go around so having to really um reach beyond myself in order to find a way to attend to the needs of two or more babies and children at the same time yeah yeah, no, it's it's a brilliant analogy, and and obviously that that the whole art of um, Louise Bourgie is 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 amazing mm. too, and and so all of that that imagery in my head and these beautiful words and the memories it's yes. all bringing back is is I just love it. It's phenomenal. Thank you. Fantastic. I'm going to ask you if um, mm. normally at the end of the podcast I always ask all my guests one thing that you'd like all mothers to know. Yes. I'm going to ask you that, but I'm also going to ask you one thing, which might be a different answer. One thing that yeah. you like all twin mothers to know. Ah. <laughs> yes, they can. I think I'll answer both. Yes. They're quite related. Um, I think I'd like all twin mothers to know that they don't have to give all of themselves to their twins I think you know thinking of what I just said there's for me there was this sense of there's only so much of me to go around and mm -hmm. I'm already really stretched and it feels as if there's never enough of me for my two little ones who want the same thing for me at the same time yeah. uh, and that can be a really hard and distressing feeling so I would I would say to a twin mum that you don't have to give all of yourself in fact you can't it's not possible um, and that r really relates to a single child mother too that we need to hold something back for ourselves in the sense that we need to still honor ourselves and be kind to ourselves enough to make a little bit of space 
in our thoughts and in our day, just now and then to, um, you know, to, to notice about what we're feeling as well as really trying to think about the needs of the babies or the baby. So to really tune into how we are, what do we need in this moment? How can we help ourselves? And that we do deserve that help. Um, that we're not just um, baby feeding machines. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really important. Yeah. And I would say that more generally to, to all mothers, that another really useful thing to bear in mind is that you don't have to enjoy mothering. It's okay to not enjoy mothering because mothering, the act of mothering is very different to loving your child. Mm. Okay. So you can love your child or your children, your twins, whoever they are, and you can still not love all the work, the physical toil, the mental toil that comes with mothering. That doesn't make you a bad mother mm. by any means. That's a really good point. Yeah. When it's just hard or tedious. I think the tedium mm. for me really was just so dull sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. That doesn't mean you don't love your children any less. You don't just love all of the stuff it entails. That's, that's, that's it, yeah, it? really you important know. to know that. Yeah. And if you yeah. love your child, even if they drive you mad at times <laughs> and you might feel like occasionally you want to sell them on eBay, you know, the reality is if you know, um, deep down that you've got a connection with your child and you love them and they love you whether it's twins or singletons then that is that is all you know that's the best mothering of all brilliant. that's all you need to do yeah yeah amazing I love that mm. brilliant thank you Flora so much thank you for thank you. sharing your thoughts sharing those beautiful poems talking about creativity in, in motherhood and some really important insights I think for any mother but really lovely to mm. celebrate twin mothers too oh yes where can people find you online where can people I know you mentioned the beginning and I'm going to put this yes. in the show notes for people but remind us where they can pre-order the book from and where they can find you online and all of those things please sure absolutely so you can find me and pre-order the book um, in various places you can find me on instagram on uh, i'm called poet.therapist.baker and my publishing press is called the mum poem press we're on instagram and there's also um, a website for the mum poem press and i must say i'm just want to double check that i know exactly the right address for that one but i think it is let's just see mumpoempress.com that's it so that's what you need to go to if you want to actually buy the book which is on pre-order now costs 10 pounds and it'd be a brilliant gift for mother's day mm. um, for either yourself as a mother or for your mother because there there are parts of it also which are to do with um the grandmother mother child relationship so there's a bit of a tribute to grandmothers as well nice um, yeah so we, we're it's coming out at the beginning of March and I think Mother's Day is about two or three weeks after that so it it could be a really good present for yourself or a mum friend or your grandmother mother and um, it's really exciting to have it out in the world now it's getting a really good response great good reviews so um yeah it's open for pre-orders now 
Amazing, amazing. I will put all those details up on the show notes so people can just click and and and, and head through there um, and head to your Insta and find out more. But um, mm. it's been lovely. It's been really lovely to speak to another twin mum. Yes. Um, and <laughs> to chat all things motherhood and uh, to hear a couple of your beautiful um, poems as well and pieces of work mm. and hopefully really inspiring to some other mothers um I know do they're doing so. it okay and maybe that they'll think about maybe the reading some poetry writing some poetry yeah or other creative acts whatever that might be and whatever works for them time for themselves to do that as well to think is really important as you said so thank you so much mm. flora it's been a real pleasure to talk to you thank you so much susan oh thank you take care you too you for listening it's great to have you here and i really do appreciate your support too i hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have then please don't forget to subscribe and if you could leave a review or share with other mothers and mothers to be that you know well i'd be eternally grateful you can join me as well on my online platform at www.formodernmothers.com where you'll find show notes and lots more goodness and resources all about thriving and making your own unique path as a mother in the modern world as well as details of all my programs online courses my classes and coaching packages too and do follow me over on instagram too at four modern mothers or on facebook and be part of my social community i'd love to connect with you there take care amazing woman